I can bring you in warm. Or I can bring you in cold. This is where the fun begins. Hello and welcome to Jedi Knights, the official Star Wars podcast for Joy Clicks. My name is Mike Connors and I am joined, as always, by my Buryaga, my Zalbar, actually. Yeah, it's Zalbar. Mm-hmm. Christian Buckley. How are you today, my man? I'm doing well, Mike. Uh, I can tell you right now, listeners, I'm sure we sound extra crisp today. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the benefit of shifting recording methods but uh i feel good i'm excited to talk about the phantom menace it's a it's an era of refreshment mike how do you feel oh i'm feeling like really hyped up it's like this has got to be maybe close to the two-year anniversary of uh jedi knights right it's yeah, gotta be i think so so because yeah, we the first episode was oct it released like october 2nd or 3rd i think of 2019 right so i mean like it, it's about that time so talking oh, yeah. about the talking about the phantom menace it really brings me back to that point because i believe that's what the first episode of jedi knights was uh, all about right it was yeah and now that you say that i'm very interested i'll try some point this week to carve out some time and go back and watch or listen to that episode because i'm very curious how we began as co-hosts because <laughs> i'm sure Listen, i'm sure it's gonna be a different show you know christian uh you know i think we were absolutely perfect and we have oh, been yeah. from the start from the start uh there's actually mm-hmm. nothing we can improve on and that goes with most things in life <laughs> i'm kidding <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but yeah it's it's a lot of fun uh to do this every every week with you christian and here's to another like two years let's do it hell yeah um oh yeah we we're going till at least we get that patty jenkins movie we we need to see another star wars movie in theaters together (laughs) yeah that's that that is like the at least scenario i i I wanted Mm -hmm. to continue further further than that for sure absolutely absolutely yeah but i mean we we do have a lot to talk about today for sure uh you know as, as as listeners of the podcast for the past two years no that we always start this uh, show off with just asking each other how we how have we been, what sort of Star Wars media that we've consumed within the past week. Uh, Christian, is there anything that sticks out to you? Um, I don't think so. Like, obviously, Phantom Menace because we're doing our rewatch. Uh, but yes. aside from that, I don't think so. Like, I, I listened to the. <laughs> the tracks that are paired with the battle of heroes and you know we want scene while i was showering this morning so that was my video <laughs> for the last week <laughs> dude i honestly find myself like probably once every two weeks like driving and then like i just put on some sort of like star wars john <laughs> williams score oh, hell yeah dude get that drive on a highway throw on the march of the resistance you're living literally dude i feel like uh i feel like poe dameron in his x-wing when i'm driving my jetta down down the highway <laughs> uh, nice. but yeah honestly same for me there hasn't been much star wars media uh you know coming through the eyeballs except for phantom menace but uh we'll talk about that later today for sure uh but first off i think we should do what we always do and uh start off with from the jedi archives which is a segment in which christian and i look through wikipedia which is the star wars wiki 
and we pick a piece of content that is canon or legends uh, and we bring it to the table to talk about it. Uh, we've had some really interesting sort of picks uh, in the past few weeks. Um, I'm pretty excited about my pick today, but uh, since I'm hosting, Christian, why don't you go first? Sure. Well, what I pulled, Mike, uh, was on the front page, but I also think was featured in last night's viewing of The Phantom Menace. It was a line that <laughs> caught my ear for the mm -hmm. first time in like the 30 times I've seen this movie. <laughs> Ramus Antilles. Are you familiar? Well, I mean, I'm familiar with Wedge Antilles. Uh, okay, okay. Well, let me think. I know at the end of episode three, they're on the Tant of Four, and I mm -hmm. believe I believe there is an Antilles on board at that point, but I'm not really sure. I might be wrong. So, Ramus Antilles was a human male from Alderaan. During his time in the service of the House of Organa, he captained the CR-90 Corvettes Tant of Three and Tant of Four. Antilles was killed in action during a secret mission to Tatooine while trying to protect Princess Leia Organa from being captured by Darth Vader. In his early life, he hailed from the planet of Alderaan. He was schooled in diplomacy and became a capable starship pilot, eventually working for the House of Organa, being entrusted to transport its members across the galaxy. I believe last night, when Padme's... Uh, body double was talking to palpatine and was like hey i'm gonna dip out and go home i think in that scene i heard the name antilles thrown out there and i was like wait i never <laughs> noticed that i never noticed they said antilles in the prequel but there you go yeah man i mean it's really fun how george lucas like especially during the prequels and everything sort of like laid some of these these like breadcrumbs throughout uh that sort of connect to the original trilogy but only in ways that like hardcore fans like you and I will be able to like pick out. And mm -hmm. I think that actually really speaks to just the fact that the Phantom Menace and honestly, all the Star Wars movies, regardless of how many times I've seen it personally, there's always something new to pick out from it. Something that, oh, yeah. something that hadn't caught my eye before. Uh, and I think that's just the fun of these movies. Like it's the, they're the gifts that keep on giving kind of. <laughs> oh Yeah. And trust me, Mike, there was something that stood out to me that we will get to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to oh, talk geez. about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. What do you pick? Uh, so, yeah, that was a great pick, Christian. I picked... Okay, <laughs> this was, this is on the front page, so I don't have much uh, creative, uh, creative control over this, but uh, this is from Star Wars Legends. Now, it's called... It's, Han Solo's Sky House, okay? The dwelling of rebel okay. hero and general Han Solo and his Wookiee companion Chewbacca. Now, I want you to guess. I'll give you a hint. This was built post-Return of the Jedi in Legends. Uh, where, on what planet do you think this Sky House was built? So my two immediate thoughts are either like endor slash kashik because of the tree houses or mm -hmm. bespin because of the cloud city well, and be i'll say kashik so fi final answer kashik final answer kashik okay well you were really close you said bespin uh and you should have went you should have went with that because that is where his sky house was 
or is, uh, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, pretty interesting though, because, uh, you know, you'd think that like Han Solo probably wouldn't want to go back to Bespin after all the stuff that happened to him there. But I guess he, mm-hmm. I guess he thought it was a cool vacation spot because he ended up building his own house there. Uh, so I think yeah. it's really funny. Uh, he had so the Sky House, according to Wikipedia, was quote elaborate, a unique feat of engineering which boasted modern conveniences, luxurious furnishings, and such striking features as a rotating living room, a domed kitchen a full engineering workshop, docking facilities for Solo's ship Millennium Falcon, as well as a two-cloud car garage, outdoor observation areas, and a plethora of bedrooms. This sounds like a damn mansion. I want to be part of it. Yeah, dude. I mean, where would he park the Millennium Falcon? Would it be like in a an impound somewhere is it back on lando's <laughs> landing pad or is this just like permanently hovered next to the house i don't know it, well all it says is there are docking facilities for it so maybe there's like i don't okay. know something something jutting out that it can dock into sure. i don't know but looks really cool uh i want i want a house on bespin that's that's what i'm saying that would be cool yeah well those are good picks. I, I I really liked Han Solo's Sky House. I really liked Ramus Antilles. Those are both very, very good picks to choose from. I agree. Very educational. <laughs> very, very educational. All right. Well, let's move on to some of the news. We're going to go through some of the news before we talk about uh, the main event, the meat and potatoes of the episode, episode one, The Phantom Menace, and our review of that movie. Uh, first off, Christian, you actually alerted me to this. Uh, this is something that actually came out today uh, on Tuesday. Uh, so Disney Plus tweeted out that starting on November 12th, there will be a few exclusive uh, pieces of media that we can watch. Uh, in addition to big names like Marvel Studios, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, which I saw the last act of, you can ask Jack Martin about that. Uh, and I thought it was okay. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Dude, I love it. That's my second favorite MC movie now. That movie's so goddamn good. Really? Second favorite? Yeah, it's fantastic. It's really good. The whole thing you should I recommend watching the whole thing. I'm sure you would love it. No, I'm sure I would. I honestly I bought a ticket. There was some circumstances. I had a fantasy football draft that was like moved ah, to the okay, exact okay. to the exact time that like we our showing was for Shang-Chi. And so gotcha. like I didn't want to be that guy in the movie theater who had like his phone out and stuff. (laughs) So, so I was forced to like, basically just like not watch the first like two thirds of the movie. I came in like right at the beginning of act three, uh, which is like a little annoying, but Hey, starting November 12th, I'll watch the whole damn thing. Um, (laughs) But uh, so there's, there's a few things on here. It seems kind of cool. There's an all new short from the Simpsons. Uh, There's, the world according to jeff goldblum from national geographic that seems fun but mm-hmm. there are also two special looks uh i, I don't really know exactly what this is enta- what this entails christian you may know a little bit more but it doesn't seem like they have put out that much information there's going to be a marvel special look streaming exclusively on november 12th as well as a star wars special look now i don't know what this is about do you know any more information and if not what do you think this is I do not know, but I imagine the Marvel and Star Wars special looks will be maybe like a five-minute 
each sizzle reel preview of the content coming to Disney Plus for the respective brands in the following year, if I had to guess. Okay. Well, actually, I just noticed, like, mid-recording that Boba Fett is trending on Twitter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> according... Mm-hmm. What? I, was, I, was gonna, break- I didn't know if you had the thing. I was going to clarify also for Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- this is breaking news, I guess. Uh, this is the first time that I feel like we've, like, broke news. I don't know. But uh, Den of Geek News, which I'm not really sure how credible they are, but they say a Boba Fett special is set to hit Disney Plus on November 12th in honor of disney plus day uh they say the special is going to focus on the origins and legacy of boba fett um which is pretty cool uh that seems to be what they're teasing here um i so i think that might be in addition if i'm being honest i think i I really think because it's a marvel one and a star wars one it's going to be a tease of future projects because like we need we're, we're due to see something from Andor and uh Kenobi maybe a Mando announcement right I think you can fit those into a nice little here's why you should stay subscribed for the next year and the Boba Fett thing I think is interesting because specifically when it comes to Disney Plus they've done stuff like this before where they have all their Marvel shows and before a Marvel show debuts, they release an episode from a series on Disney Plus called Marvel Studios Legends, which is like a seven minute, basically fan cam that is an abridged version of that character's story so far within the MCU. And mm. I think that this will be that for Boba Fett because we get Book of Boba Fett later that season. Totally. That, that actually does make a lot of sense. Um, in terms of like what this is going to show, I guess I have a question that I'll just put out there. It's kind of just coming to me right now. But sure. if they're going to be talking about like Boba Fett's origins, like we saw his origin story in Attack of the Clones, like we know that. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that this is going to touch on maybe like parts of Boba Fett's story that we don't necessarily know the details of? And I'm specifically getting at, do you think that this might sort of like shed some light as to how he escaped the Sarlacc pit? Because we know he did. We just don't know how. Uh, and I don't know if this is necessarily going to be the place that they try to tell that story. Or maybe that's something the Book of Boba Fett will handle. Yeah. Uh, regardless, regardless, I think we need an answer to that. No, I, uh, I agree. Um, I could maybe see that be tackled in the Book of Boba Fett. Like, I think dream scenario would be that this is... A step above what marvel studios legends is because with marvel studios legends it's it's strictly just like recut um important scenes like there was one for vision there was one for scarlet witch and they just cut like their dramatic scenes from all their projects prior to wandavision to give people a refresher or people who are diving in for the first time i could see this be hey the scenes of boba fett from the prequels they're cut together in a way that sort of gives you the gist of his story in the prequels maybe a couple clone wars things spliced in his role in the ot and then maybe a recap of his role in the mandalorian um just cut together cleanly to give a nice through line of what his character is all about i would love if we got it a bit more produced with some like narration or like you're saying a bit more insight into maybe getting tomorrow morrison narrating 
his life so far across like a six seven minute thing but i'm gonna keep my expectations on par with uh legends i think i think that's fair i i personally haven't seen marvel's legends so i really have no basis to like well, nothing to really base this off of uh so I, I think it's probably I think you're right I think it's more likely that something like this is just going to be what we already know mm-hmm. uh, and it's smart it's like it's catch but, up for the audience that here's as a Boba Fett show had no idea what the Mandalorian was and it's like hey here's a little preview about recapping Boba Fett it's like oh I didn't know they told stuff about him in these shows but I'm not gonna watch him the Boba Fett show starts in a month I'm not gonna watch <laughs> all these shows to catch up for this you know yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, there there are a lot of people who, I, I, it's hard to sometimes like step away from like our, uh, like I feel like we're really into like everything Star Wars, and so it's hard to step away and just like think about it from like the average person like coming to do that, like watch this show yeah. probably doesn't know as much as we do. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely interesting. Uh, something to keep an eye out for for sure. Sure. Uh. Uh, B- before yeah. we move on, I want to ask with you: if the special look is a sizzle reel, what do you think we would see in that mm-hmm. sizzle reel? Uh, sizzle reel of like, like, do you mean like when you say sizzle reel, like define the sizzle reel? Like, like I maybe like a montage with some behind the scenes stuff and some concept footage from what's being edited right now for some of the shows they have next year. You know, I. Yeah, I, I think it's I think that would be cool. I, I, I definitely think that there are well, I mean there 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 are there are shows that are coming out next year that they haven't really talked about um, at all, to be honest, other than just really announcing them. Mm-hmm. And November seems like a good time to sort of maybe like announce a release date for one of these, like maybe Andor or something. Sure. Uh, I'm thinking that if this is not if the Boba Fett that thing is separate from the star wars special look uh i think that the special look would be and or just because i think they've had enough time to sort of like work on it that they'd have stuff to show sure um plus like can, do you know if you can sub yearly to disney plus like the full year at a time or is it monthly only i don't I know th- i i pay monthly so okay because i think kayla does it yearly I know Jack got in on that like three year deal and I'm jealous he did that. I should have done it, but um like if it's Disney Plus Day, right? November twelfth is when the service launched. Some people's subscriptions are gonna be running out that day, so I feel like you gotta sell them on like the next year of content to be like, hey, buy the next year right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I definitely think that if this like Star Wars special look is not what they're right. saying, it is not the Boba Fett thing then it has to be some sort of sizzle reel. And and I think that even if it is about Boba Fett, I think that it could still serve as like a sizzle reel for the book of Boba sure. Fett, you know? Like maybe like the first five or so minutes is like what we already know. And then like a voiceover from Tamora Morrison being like, we're exploring like Boba Fett's, uh, you know, like what happens after the Mandalorian with some like behind the scenes footage. And I don't know. But uh yeah if it's not that then i think that they need to at least talk about andor if not kenobi oh yeah dude um yeah and that's sizzle reel with a shot of you and back in his costume just for like three seconds that's all you need 
literally that's all you need <laughs> you don't even need him in his costume you just need to show his yeah. face like <laughs> for real mm-hmm. um but yeah anything else you, you want to say about uh you know this 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 breaking news that we have here on joy clicks Jedi Nights? um not really i mean i'm just looking forward to it you know any any reason to be watching star wars on disney plus give it to me you know yep give it to me baby mm-hmm. all right well uh speaking of tv we have some some more tv news here now this is a big one christian you texted me about this and i got kind of hyped because it's just good to see progress the kenobi series the obi-wan kenobi series directed by deborah chap has finished filming so ewan mcgregor said after winning an emmy for his performance in netflix halston that the kenobi series has wrapped quote oh, this is this is a quote from him he said quote i think it will not disappoint it was a difference it was a different experience than working on the first three films we did and i really really liked it that's what he said yeah so i mean i just think this is interesting i i was expecting the kenobi series to finish filming relatively soon Mm -hmm. because they started they started in the spring i believe uh so it's good to know that they're making progress on it good to know that like ewan mcgregor himself is like super excited about it um and it's good it's good to, to to hear this because we know that you know things are moving along and that likely because it's only 2021 we will see this sometime next year um so christian what do you think about this when do you think we'll see the kenobi series uh just your thoughts in general yeah so i saw this clip right uh it was the post award reception interview that actors do with press like after they walk off stage or whatever um and it was very funny uh the reporter was asking him you know these questions about the series and he's like i can't tell you anything but I had a fun time with it. And, like, he just seemed very happy, like, talking about uh, the role and the experience. And honestly, dude, the way he was talking, the way that his comment was leading, it really felt like he was about to say, I'd love to do it again. But, like, I maybe that was the too much. Maybe that was the thing where he's like, you can't get much out of me. But maybe that's what it was. Um, in terms of the series, though... Yeah, so excited for this. I I really hope it's next year. I really hope it's like summer kind of like I really want it to be that big blockbuster style thing for Star Wars, even if it is much more character focused and introspective, which we want it to be. Is it gonna be if we got all these lightsabers in the show? Maybe not, but at this point I kinda don't care anymore. I just the Kenobi show is gonna be amazing no matter what for me. So I, Yeah, I'm excited. you know, it's it's weird because i am normally like really skeptical about like new projects like i'm always sort of just thinking to myself like oh like is it going to be as good as like people say it is and everything but like for some for some reason like this in particular i don't have that feeling like at all you know like i feel as though like i trust what like ewan mcgregor says like, I trust what, like, people have been saying about it, including, like, Deborah Chow. And it's just, like, really cool to, like, know that, like, people are excited about it. The people who are working on this are excited about it. And that gives me just a lot of hope for, like, this being super, super good. Uh, because it's, like, 
sense. It's already an established character. We already know you McGregor can play the hell out of Obi-Wan. So it's sort of like, I don't know. I just, I, I'm just excited for it. And, and, and I, and I believe everything that they're saying. I'm believing in the hype Christian. Oh yeah. Is it foolish? Maybe, but I'm pretty yeah. sure in the past I've seen like archived interviews from Ewan McGregor in like the early two thousands being like kind of candid about like, he was aware of what the prequels were, you know? Mm-hmm. And this seems overwhelmingly positive. Maybe he's just really impressed by the tech because he's a Star Wars fan and just being in that experience on set is different than the blue screen stuff. So maybe he just had really uh, like a fun time with it. And, but at the same time, like I trust Deborah Chow, like her episodes of the Mandalorian were fantastic. And I think whatever they do with this show, it will be absolutely interesting. And they've convinced me already. I think that, it's not a pointless story to tell, right? Because we do have all that time on Tatooine to explore Obi-Wan's character and getting Ewan back to do that in a television format, which is just doing wonders for Star Wars. Like, sure, it could be bad, but anything could be bad. You know, like, I I think this is going to be good. (laughs) I have faith. Yeah, no, I have faith. I guess, like, yeah, I, I have to temper, I temper my expectations with that with that notion that like regardless of how good things may seem on the outside everything could things could be bad but i just have a really hard time believing that this is gonna like suck (laughs) you know like like i just really don't see that happening i feel like it's going to be an event it like already is and we haven't seen anything from it so I, i think they know what they're doing they know what they have to do they are like you know they're they're staying i hope they're staying true to the source material um and that they're just like carving out a new story uh you know to tell from obi-wan's perspective i think that's really cool and i'm really excited for it uh so i got some quick hits for for us here before we dive into our discussion on episode one the phantom menace a movie that i've actually i've never seen that movie before no i'm kidding um oh wow yeah uh, so, we have some news on the High Republic. Uh, so, Wave 2 of Phase 1 of the High Republic is coming to a close. Uh, there's still some comic issues that are coming out. Uh, but uh, there's been announced a Wave 3 that's coming in January. Uh, so, we will see Claudia Gray take charge of the adult novel The Fallen Star from Del Rey, which I believe is sort of like a spiritual successor to uh, Light of the Jedi and The Rising Storm. So think of those as kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, the main beats in a story that sort of like branches off. Um, so the cover of that was revealed. It looks pretty cool. Bunch of Jedi on the front. Pretty standard, to be honest. Uh, but yeah. the fact that, you know, they're still continuing with this effort is really awesome. I still have a lot to catch up on. I wasn't as Sorry. I wasn't as diligent as I wished I was. Um, yeah, and I mean, if if Claudia Gray's taken up the next adult novel, however they refer to it in that initial press release, right? Like, I'll be there for that. You know, I'll catch up. I'll read uh, the. I think Kevin Scott wrote the most recent one in that line. So I'll, I'll check that out probably this holiday, and then right into Claudia Gray's novel. Yeah. So I mean, January. I think that's that's about. I, what, I think Light of the Jedi came out in January, correct? Um, I think it was like January 6th. Yeah, that was one of the first things I bought this year. <laughs> so. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I have, um, dang, what's the other name of the Claudia Gray book? Uh, Into the Dark. Into the Dark. Yeah. So I have that. I never read it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, but we will at some point read that book. And also, I do want. Oh, we will. I do, I do want to read, uh, you know, the Rising Storm. So, if not on this podcast, I will read that myself, and I will I will uh, mm-hmm. report back. But maybe we could do something here. Excellent. Who knows? Sure. Anyways, uh, so that's one little quick hit that we have here on the docket. The other quick hit is a video game piece. Uh, so. I think we talked about Lego Star Wars battles earlier on this podcast, I believe. This this was familiar. We did. Yeah, this was familiar to me when I saw it. Uh, so Warner Brothers Games, the Lego Group, and Lucasfilm on September 17th announced that Lego Star Wars Battles is releasing on the 24th of September exclusively on Apple Arcade. Uh, so it, it's like a real-time strategy sort of game, it looks like. It kind of gives me like halo wars vibes sort of from what i've seen of the photos i don't even know if that's like i don't even know if that's really accurate but that's kind of the vibe that i got uh so the game's playable across iphone ipad mac and apple tv with an apple arcade subscription that goes for 4.99 a month with a one month free trial uh, I, I don't e- i didn't even know about that to be honest i don't have an apple arcade subscription uh so it's kind of lame that like there is a barrier to playing this yeah i i know uh kevin diaz of the joy clicks games cast um he is an apple arcade sub so when this game drops i will go to him directly and i'll ask for a quote well question question i mean like do you think you will sign up for the free trial just to like try the game um maybe because i like strategy games and I like Star Wars, but uh, I'll probably just see how reviews are. And then if it seems like it piques my interest, then I'll probably sign up for the trial, I imagine. Yeah, same. Uh, I, I definitely like might check it out just because like you have that free trial. So I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, there are other Star Wars games that I'm more interested in. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is this was interesting. This is another piece, uh, another another story to talk about. So uh, James Newton Howard, who I believe is a composer. Uh, he is. I'm not sure of his credits. Do you know about anything? Ooh, I think Top the Dome. I think he did Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, okay. I think he also did a Spider-Man movie. And uh, there's a few others that are really, really iconic from like the, the blockbuster movie genre i'm pretty sure yeah yeah so that's that's pretty cool um and he revealed in in an interview i believe i I don't know where uh that lawrence kasdan who was the director for of empire strikes back and uh helped write i believe uh the force awakens um he's directing a six episode docuseries about george lucas and industrial light and magic which is really really cool i'm so excited for this i am into documentaries i love documentaries oh yeah try to watch documentaries on everything and this is like right up my alley this is like empire of dreams on crack yeah dude i i love documentaries i specifically love star wars documentaries and i know this is like ilm lucas 
like not specifically Star Wars, but like Star Wars is going to take up a good portion of this documentary, I'm sure. So sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, like the whole foundation file on this, like Star Wars and stuff. So, uh, and especially mm-hmm. since like it's going to be about George Lucas as well, I- I'm just really interested in seeing like a cool inside look at the production of like some of these movies and like you know just the vibe about like what was happening at the time uh it's gonna be really cool because who knows better than lawrence kasdan really oh yeah and i'm pretty sure he also worked with jj a bit on the sequels so i doubt they'd bring that up but like ilm spans more than just the original trilogy you know like ilm works on honestly like a lot of movies from hollywood like more than you would expect (laughs) so yeah for sure um pretty cool stuff another quick hit uh that i wanted to get to the mandalorian uh won seven emmys i just wanted to shout out that i thought that's kind of cool uh shout out outstanding prosthetic makeup outstanding cinematography for a single camera series half hour outstanding sound mixing outstanding music composition outstanding special visual effects and outstanding stunt coordination all well deserved i think Oh yeah, absolutely. Everything you were just saying, I was thinking of examples, you know, from every single episode of that season, and all those examples are fantastic. You know. Yeah, and just the fact that like that recall, like they're so iconic that you could just like think of them so so fast, really speaks to like mm-hmm. how how well they were made and everything. So. Uh, yeah, they did a good job. Kudos, kudos to to them. Uh, all right, so I think that's about it for the for the. <clears throat> news that we have here and i think it's time to delve into the meat and potatoes about you know episode one the phantom menace which we both watched yesterday i believe oh yeah so Mm -hmm. yes uh now christian i've seen this movie probably like 70 times in my life uh (laughs) uh we all you've seen this movie countless times yourself uh we are big Mm. fans of star wars obviously so like i think like we have to preface this conversation with that fact uh but yeah uh, i think that also lends us to have an interesting perspective on some of these films um especially watching them again so uh overall this movie i believe shouldn't have received as much flack as it did when it came out in the 90s what do you think yeah i agree um the phantom menace like yes i grew up with it um yes it scarred me as a child (laughs) but like really truly my only gripes with the movie are some of the dialogue is wooden but like some of the original trilogy was too and Mm -hmm. the um the pacing i think the pacing is pretty whack in this movie (laughs) because i'm into it at the beginning because honestly the hindsight of clone wars and palpatine and pulling the strings like him playing both sides throughout the whole thing and starting out with the assignment that obi-wan and qui-gon had especially coming off of like uh master and apprentice too like having more context on their relationship i was really into the beginning of the movie screeched to a halt for a little bit pod racing exciting as hell then we slow down kind of screeched to a halt and then the battle of naboo and duel of fates and then the movie's over so like 
overall, I do think, yeah, it it is overhated. It's not great, but I still think it's good, you know? Definitely. I mean, it's definitely good. Maybe not great, like you said. Like a lowercase g good. <laughs> yeah, no. No uh no shift no shift G on that one. Just a just a G. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Uh yeah. well I think I think first off, what you said about nostalgia is really important. Um like this movie I remember like being in the fifth grade and like staying home sick from school and like putting this in the D V D player and like watching it and stuff. So there's that factor to it, definitely. Um I have to agree with you on the pacing thing. And I do believe that it's pro- like, I think a big part of it is that it focuses like the plot focuses like way too much about like the politics and stuff, which is something people have said. This is like a known criticism of the movie, but like they get so in the weeds about stuff that like ultimately doesn't matter to the overall story that you're telling in The Phantom Menace that it just like makes the movie feel like a damn slog. And, like, I felt that a lot, like, even in the first scene when they're, like, talking about, like, trade routes and, like, tax- like taxation of trade routes and, like, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, it's in the, it's in the opening crawl, but, like, there's, there's like, s- stiff dialogue. Like, characters talk to each other about this kind of thing. And it's, like, what, like, what, what, what is happening right now? This is Star Wars. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you, because I was, I was trying to actually look at this in a different way because like you said we've seen this movie so many times individually but because i know the phantom menace can be viewed as weaker in the grand scheme i wanted to prepare my mind in a different way you and i watched the clone wars for the first time last year yep this is my first time watching the entire saga since watching all of clone wars so I wonder if for you Clone Wars has already shifted your thoughts on some things because like specifically when I'm talking about prepping my mind right like I knew the movie was slow in some parts so I was like okay what if I looked at this as just like a four episode arc of a Clone Wars thing and <laughs> it's like it's gonna have some slow sp- slow parts because we got to get build up to the big the big moment I don't know if that helped that much but for a good chunk of it it kind of worked I think yeah i mean i i definitely would say that having watched the clone wars and like having read master and apprentice for instance like my perception like my perspective on the movie and like the stories that it's telling has changed i don't Mm -hmm. know if that necessarily like changes like how much i enjoy it though like i sure like i don't know i don't know like it just I, I feel like to me it just helps me appreciate some aspects of it that like maybe weren't as clear uh and sort of like shrouded mm-hmm. within like you know just like backstory before i don't know yeah and like you know seeing obi-wan and qui-gon bounce off each other some of the tension they have in the film um anakin says like nobody can kill a jedi and qui-gon's like oh i wish that were true and like i'm thinking back to master and apprentice and learning more about Qui-Gon's past and the like the battles he fought and just that tension between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon that was there since like Obi-Wan was what like 12 right yeah. like I I thought that was really interesting to think about when I saw these performances and I again 
doesn't really help the movie too much, but like just continuing to be impressed with the work that the expanded material does because Master and Apprentice does feel like it fits in with what I would just watched with these characters, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I have a specific point, to, uh, a question for you about Master and Apprentice, but I do want to just like make sure I don't lose this thought. You were talking okay. to me about how you were kind of viewing this as a Clone Wars arc. Uh, do you think that... Mm-hmm it worked in that scenario like 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 how and how do you think it worked in that scenario i guess like kind of because like remember like the the like storm over ryloth arc yes right yeah uh how there was the big battle at the beginning and then we crash land i think and then we like have some of that deliberation on the surface we got a mission to do and then there's the big resolution it kind of felt like I was segmenting it that way where like, hey, the introduction is this could have been an episode of Clone Wars where like Anakin and Ahsoka got dispatched to go talk to these people and then things went crazy. They got to escape and they crash land and then they have to talk to these people in the next episode and do this objective to save this person. And then the third episode would be like the big conclusion of it. And then I guess the third part of this movie would have been the pod race. So like it kind of felt like it was mimicking that sort of Star Wars storytelling, which is episodic. Like, I feel like if you threw credits on specific points of the arcs of this movie and it made it animated, I'd be like, oh, that was a solid arc of Clone Wars, you know? Yeah. But as a movie, that maybe isn't the best thing. Right. No, I, 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 get, I get it. I mean, I'm trying to think, like, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe you have to look at it as, like, the three movies as like its own sort of like like i don't know they kind of follow like the same structure as like many of the clone wars arcs but i don't know i don't know no, i see that well uh, uh i wanted to talk the, oh sorry i i don't mean to cut you off i just want to say uh the thing that i noticed this time because before we move on we talked about seeing this movie so many times right the thing i noticed that i hinted at earlier uh, there are some scenes where you just see like practical prosthetic Jar Jar feet. I never Jeez. noticed this. Like there's a scene where I think they're on the ship and you see Jar Jar's legs and his feet on the table and it's absolutely a dude in slippers. <laughs> it's not a CG thing. And that was very funny to me. You think it's Ahmed? Probably, yeah. I, I imagine he was on set and, you know, they get the, the digital skin on the actual prosthetics that he has but um yeah it was like a very clear like oh that those are pants that's not cg those are pants and those are foam feet on that table next to the little <laughs> anakin well i actually but, i actually wrote this down in my notes too i was just sort of awestruck throughout watching this movie about how awesome the practical effects are uh oh yeah like okay this is something i feel like was lost in episodes two and three uh, that kind of came back in a way during the sequel trilogy. Like J.J. Abrams was into like practical effects, and so was Ryan Johnson, etc. Uh, but like this movie, like even from the first shot, like above Naboo in space, there are like a bunch of miniatures. Like when the ship that delivers Obi Wan and Qui Gon docks on the Trade Federation ship explodes when they when they blow it up, like that was a real explosion made from a miniature. And it's just like really awesome how this movie has so many elements like that from the original trilogy, mm-hmm. you know. 
Yeah, and I, I did actually do a little search earlier today because I remember when we were originally talked about this, one of your points that you had was you just love how the movie looks. And I agree with you. I do think like the fact that it's shot on film, it gives like a texture to a lot of the CG that pure CG digital movies I feel like don't carry over. Um, so that works for Jar Jar, but at the same time, like the practical effects you're talking about make it feel more lived in like the ot and the sequels but one of the other things i found when i wanted to look up earlier today what stuff was practical the um the finish line like the whole gate and i guess audience section and the announcer's box of the pod racing stadium that was a miniature too that was a set they built that was like i said it's a miniature and they shot it that way and layered it for the wide shots and stuff so i thought it was really cool too yeah, man. I, I've always, like, been amazed about, like, how, I, like, I don't know. I've always been amazed about, like, how detailed all those miniatures are. And it's just very cool to sort of, like, go back to that early way of making films and sort of just, it really just makes it feel real and lived in, like you said. Um, mm-hmm. It's just just good stuff all around. Um, but I did want to talk about Master and Apprentice and so, sort of how this, how it gives context to The Phantom Menace. Uh, you sort of mentioned it earlier and I put a stop on it because I want to like really flesh out, flesh this out right now. And I'm just going to start off by saying that uh, Qui-Gon is super, super wise. Uh, one of the wisest Jedi of all time. And he really like comes out in this movie and like shows you that through like what he says to Obi-Wan, how he deals with situations. And it's really interesting to see how Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan uh, sort of collide with one another um, and you can tell that like the Jedi Council does not trust Qui-Gon. And that's super, super cool to like see that because it's been fleshed out in some of the books that we've read, Christian. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. That's just something that really stuck out to me. What do you think? No, I agree. And Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon is the MVP that didn't get the award, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I think... You and I have talked about this before. I loved Qui-Gon growing up, the same reason I loved Alec Guinness Obi-Wan when I first watched the pre- uh, the original trilogy, right? Just because he was the cool, wise, powerful dude. Um, and all the expanded material we've consumed about Qui-Gon has just made me like him a lot more. And it's for the same reasons you're saying, right? Where he's very wise, and Obi-Wan, he, he looks at Obi-Wan, and I think he even tells him in this, like, he's has the potential to surpass Qui-Gon, right? But honestly, I don't even know if he ever does because I feel like Obi-Wan lacked some of the wisdom that Qui-Gon had and just like the... Maybe Qui-Gon just felt like he had more of a grasp on everything that was going on where Obi-Wan, you know, he fails Anakin um, and he sticks to being that more like textbook what should a jedi be where qui-gon has some more like street smarts you know and he's like i don't necessarily think i should ever be what a jedi should be but that makes me valuable and obi-wan wasn't that so i thought that was also very interesting yeah i mean i think i think it's interesting that's a really interesting point because that's sort of where a lot of the conflict came ends up coming in between obi-wan and anakin right like obi-wan is very like structured like he wants he wants anakin to follow like the letter of the law basically like he wants anakin to like 
completely conform to the Jedi dogma. But like Anakin doesn't want to do that. He's more Qui-Gon in that way, you know? And it's sort of interesting to see like Obi-Wan sort of have to deal with that when he was young as well. And like how that shaped him to be who he was in the prequel trilogy and how that affected his relationships, particularly with Anakin, who, you know, he Obi-Wan ends up ultimately failing, basically, and turns into Darth Vader. So, like, it's really interesting to see that, like, the seeds of that become planted here. And then it also makes me think of, like, do you remember what that 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 clip that went around of Dave Filoni mm-hmm. after, after The Mandalorian season one? Uh, during like yeah. the, the round table and how he was talking about like obi-wan's reluctance to train anakin and 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 how like that lightsaber fight was like really the determinant factor of like whether or not anakin like would turn out the way he was in a way and like yeah that's that's why it's the duel of the fates right and it's like yeah. very i don't know I, that's just something that i was thinking about a lot while i was watching this film uh this time and you can definitely like it's just so deep in that way and i've never really i've never really appreciated it until now yeah and i think that's why also qui-gon just really sticks out to me as like i said the mvp that didn't get the award because (laughs) there there's all that potential right of this man could have you know like guided anakin imagine like if qui-gon actually was training anakin throughout the entire prequels right and that's Mm -hmm. a thing people have thought about before right but you can tell like obi-wan has a bit more like you said and what feloni said reluctance and whether that's spite towards some of the conflict he had with qui-gon in his own training or something else like when obi-wan's talking to yoda in that scene and he's like i am gonna train anakin like it sounds like he's trying to convince himself too you know he's like exactly like i'm only doing this out of like obligation (laughs) and he's like yeah it's just very interesting it's it's tragic and i think it's one of the more interesting questions i guess the movie throws at us in terms of what if or what's the future look like for these characters you know like i think it's i think it's cool to think about for sure yeah i mean you're so right like that's that's why it's called the duel of the fates like it could have been completely different for anakin and everything and like it's almost as if he was like set up to fail from the start right and it's like sad in that way and and tragic because you know anakin is a tragic character as we all know um but i mean moving on from that like I mean, I mean, even beyond that, like, it's just very interesting. You can sort of, like, even read the subtext in some of these scenes with, like, the Jedi Council when they're with Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. When they're with Qui-Gon. Uh, like, you can just tell that, like, they don't really trust him. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and I, I do like that also. I like just sort of that beat cop sort of attitude that... uh qui-gon has you know like the the guy that's been on the force forever like that type of thing um i i I think qui-gon is a very interesting character and going back like we said after consuming all this extra stuff i'm appreciating him more than ever and i want more out of qui-gon and i i hope we get it you know like (laughs) there's that rumor that he might have a role in the kenobi show i really hope he at least has some sort of dialogue but yeah, Qui-Gon is just such an interesting character that I would love to explore more. Right. 
uh yeah that would be cool i mean liam meeson is uh you know he's around i'm sure he'd do it oh yeah so uh one other thing i wanted to bring up uh i am just very i'm I'm, i really like how this movie does a good job of sort of sort of bridging bridging the gap between like anakin and palpatine in a very like weird way like you know what i mean like it's cool that like it took the time to like actually sort of like make that a thing so it didn't feel forced in later episodes and you know we all know the line like we'll watch your career with great interest and that's like memed memed to infinity but like i think Mm -hmm. it i think it is like a good i don't know it's just it's just like a good thing to have in there and like really interesting to like see that yeah dude last time we talked about this too when we did our initial review like i was really vibing with the prequels specifically just for palpatine stuff Mm -hmm. and it wasn't as strong this time out the gate even though i was thinking a lot about his prequel schemes and like some of the explanation for stuff with darth maul before the events of this movie right but we talked about it then i'll bring it up again now i always love when he makes a move right like he makes a strategic little uh nudge for somebody or makes a a choice that will seem innocent but is setting up his grand plan and we get the hint of the emperor theme right Mm -hmm. um i i found this out on tiktok like a month ago i don't know if i ever sent it to you but somebody did like a deconstruction of that like victory celebration from the parade at Uh, the end of the film it's the imperial march right no it's it's the emperor's theme it's just like oh right right like shifted around in a few different ways and they were like even though uh sidious and his apprentice failed in that movie palpatine still won and that's why his theme is worked into being a victory theme and i thought that was super cool and i was trying to listen for it this time and i was like okay no i can definitely hear it and that's absolutely just because i saw the video where i can see the comparison but i still think that's a really cool element of just i honestly i kind of wish some of the palpatine's evil hints were more subtle like that and not like that camera pan at one point where it's like oh (laughs) i forget when it was but there was a very obvious thing where it was like oh someone evil's out there i think it might in qui-gon's funeral and then it just pans to palpatine (laughs) i was like okay yeah but i mean there are some moments for sure that like even that like memed quote that i just said is not (laughs) i love that yeah i love it i love it but it's not subtle whatsoever um (laughs) another thing i wanted to bring up and i think i may have brought this up the last time we talked about it i'm not sure uh why are the trade federation aliens so racist yeah dude i yeah (laughs) what's up with that i don't know i really dislike that i don't know i'm trying to remember are they in the clone wars much i think some of them are right not much but yeah they are like was it ever it was definitely toned down in the clone wars right it was yeah but like i don't don't know at least yeah it strikes me every time like i really hate to bring it up but like in today no you're right like (laughs) it really strikes me every time i'm like wow (laughs) like they really went for it you know yeah like no because i'm with you i was like getting into the the movie you know things were kicking off and i was like okay here comes the racist trade federation aliens i know what i'm getting into and then that first line hits and i was like oh (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot about that. But yeah, uh, it is that bad. It really is that bad. Um, but anyways, that's besides the point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I, I mean, overall, like this has a lot of nostalgia factor to me. Um, I just love the pod racing. The pod racing just, I'm glued to the freaking screen like Dude, every time yeah. that happens. Regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, the score, I think the score is probably one of the best in the three movies. Um, John Williams yes. just really knocks it out of the park. It's it's really good. And specifically with the pod race thing, right? I, I was watching with uh, Kayla and I was like, this part's so good. And at the same time, she was like, I'm bored. So <laughs> I thought that was funny. But also, um, I was like, imagine because it's a long scene right i was just like feeling the whole thing out i was into it i was like man imagine we get like a disney plus series that's just about pot racers how cool would that be that would be sick right like i I don't know like just make it like a sports series or something but it's just about pot racing that'd be so cool yeah i'd love that that would be really cool actually uh it looks like one of the new star wars visions shorts uh takes place at the 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 tatooine racetrack (laughs) that's yeah that's very cool excited to see that definitely um well Um, yeah i mean pod racing pod racing man like we need more pod racing what what's the what what is it called in in kotor it's not pod racing right it's uh is it swoop racing swoop swoop bike racing Yeah. yeah swoop swoop racing very. Talking about bikes, dude. Darth Maul speeders, cool as hell. Yeah, Darth Maul. It's cool like the stuff. crescent moon. Oh, that's another thing. Darth Maul was just like absolutely, like, not given the time of day in this film, dude. But like, I swear he had like an extra line in this that I never noticed. Maybe it's just I like sometimes glaze over when I watch this thing because, like you said, we've seen it a million times. But like, I swear he said something, and I was like. Did he always say that? Like, I think it was when they were walking on the balcony. He had a line before he was like, at last we'll have our revenge. Because I remember that, but I never remembered him saying anything before that. I thought it was all Sidious, but no, he's got lines. Even would have thought? Even before, like, at last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. Like, that... Yeah, he had a line before that. Really? Yeah. It shocked me. I, like, I always thought that I just, like, knew <laughs> the entirety of darth maul's lines because he only had one <laughs> uh but i guess Same i have dude. to i guess i have to rewatch that scene yeah i was shaken <laughs> shocked uh jar jar not as bad as everybody made him out to be dude he's kind of funny he's got some good yucks he does dude he is funny when he like uses his tongue at the dinner table i laugh every time seriously though when he when they're on the ship with him and padme's like how did you get here and then he just walks through his day i that was that cracked me up the first time it cracked me up again this time he's like this 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 now i'm here i was like dude i feel that i've been there you know uh yeah sometimes the day gets away from you yeah jar jar was the most misunderstood character of this film (laughs) yeah well overall i i really enjoyed it obviously uh that's not a freaking surprise uh since we are i guess we should rank these right christian oh absolutely yeah uh so we have really nothing to base this off of right now but yeah it's my number one right now i think same i 
I think it could be fun also if we give it a star ranking for Star Wars. Okay. okay. Maybe individual. Uh, I think I would give this three out of five. Three out of five. Can I give like halves? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Become a full bro- full full blown critic right now. You got halves. You got whatever you want. Okay. Uh. Jeez. I would say my gut reaction is four. I give this four. Oh, okay. Respect. Big respect. Big ups to uh, George Lucas. (laughs) (laughs) So the average then, the Jedi Knight's official score, three and a half stars. Three and a half stars. Compare that to number one for now. (laughs) That is like, don't even look at, don't even look at Rotten Tomatoes. All you got to do is just look at our aggregate score. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, regarding the phantom menace i'm, I'm pretty phantom menaced out but i i really enjoyed this film and we had a good discussion oh yeah no i had a great time rewatching it uh, i'm looking forward to watching attack of the clones next week because that was the one i was surprisingly positive on the last time we did this thing interested to see if that holds but phantom menace you're a good star wars movie lowercase g <laughs> lowercase g uh well christian do you want to take us out to see sure thing uh you can follow both of us on twitter uh you are at mike p connors correct that's, that's correct mike p connors yes i am at chun 2 d2 on twitter twitch and tiktok um i'm gonna be doing probably like little tiktok reviews uh before we record every week just to get some thoughts out there too uh yes. so we can check those out there um if you want to get the show it is available on your favorite podcast service like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever you listen to it on. Just look up Jedi Knights with no K. You'll find us or JoyClicks. And if you want to support the shows, patreon.com slash joyclicks at the one and five dollar tiers. Five dollar tier gives you producer credit on this show and every show we do, like Aaron Easton and Charles Applin. So thank you very much. And as a reminder, at this moment in time, we are doing audio only versions of the podcasts. So if you are listening to this for the first time in the audio version, uh, rating and reviewing will be massively appreciated. It will help the show out a ton. We will respect you. I will read reviews on air on Apple. If you write a review, I will read it at the beginning or whenever Mike deems fit during the episode. So look forward to that. Oh, yeah. Um, Now, we will read these during the beginning of the episode. So leave a review. Sure. Yes, please do. And... um, to keep updates on the show, at Jedi Knights JC on Twitter, you'll tweet out episodes whenever they go out, as well as any changes to the schedules or updates to special episodes, guests, whatever we got going on with the show. Check us out at Jedi Knights JC. Again, with no K. But that's going to do it. All right. I'm excited to watch Attack the Clones for next week. Oh, yeah, dude. Got to see those Boba Fett origins, you know? <laughs> boba fett origin story yeah that's the that's the new name of it it's star wars episode two boba fett origin story let's go um so yeah until then we're fine everything's fine how are you may the force be with you oh yes 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 you're right beep is up